Hi, I'm Dan Schinder. And I'm Steven Schinder. And we're here with a Yes Shift News Desk report for November 13th, 2021, as we're recording this. And Steve, once again, has come through with a lot of digging and data mining and great homework that I would never be able to get done. So, Steve, thanks for all the great prep with this. It's exciting to bring all the different variety of things uh you know, to our viewers and listeners within the Yes universe and the outside fringes as well. But this particular um, news desk report is, I think, the might be the first one, maybe, where it's all yes, except for one well, thing you're going to mention. Yeah, except for a couple things here and there. But but yeah, mainly, think- it's it's all very yes related, if not yes directly. Yeah, like we have. Um, little tidbits that we heard from interviews with Yes members recently. And we also have some stuff, uh, you know, Rick Wakeman made an announcement and uh, something to do with the Yes tribute band as well. And, you know, just a couple other odd things. And yeah, like, I think it's safe to say that this may potentially be the only news episode we put out in november given our schedule for the rest of the month but there's still like a lot of good stuff here um but yeah i guess before we get the i'm sorry the exception would be if there's a crazy breaking news you know um in in which case we'll we'll pump that out we'll drop what we're doing even if it's while i'm vacation (laughs) together and we'll just sit together and do it which would actually be cool uh, right, but don't yeah. count on that, folks. Only like if John Anderson joins again or Bill Bruford <laughs> comes back or whatever. Not, not that we want Alan. Oh, man. Those would be like, those would just break the yes fandom internet if either of those happened. I, I would get up from the Thanksgiving dinner table with you and go record it in the other room <laughs> like, or do it live. We would do it live if anything like that, remotely like that happens. Right, right. But yeah. Or maybe yeah. Frank. Uh, Francis Monkman joins. I don't know. <laughs> or, or Eddie Jobson becomes the new keyboardist. <laughs> <laughs> With Jeff Downs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All um, right, so go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, we'll begin with a couple of feedback comments that we got, um, I think, regarding our last news episode or some recent stuff we said. So yeah. first, inventioning, uh, we talked about them recently. They said, thanks so much for the awesome review of Some People. Uh, it's their single that they put out featuring John Anderson, Jean-Luc Ponty, and Oliver Wakeman. It's really good. Uh, the artwork was done by Jordan Lewis, who also filmed the Onward music video. Wow, nice. Yeah, Jordan is reworking the artwork for the new poster, so it will go beyond what we did for the single. Jordan is also filming the new music video we're doing for Some People. Nice. How did they find out about it? Do you know? Um, well, about our episode? or Yeah. Oh, because I tagged them. Oh, okay. So that worked. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for your feedback on the feedback. <laughs> yeah. And, we appreciate it. Yeah. And we got just one more before we get to the news proper. So sure. Adam Sears from Lobait Scarp. Wait, how'd uh, they find out about it? Because I tagged Lobate. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam said, thanks again for another shout out for Lobate Scarp. Rosfest, and in parentheses, he says, by the way, you can pronounce it as Rosfest. I guess because uh-huh. on the episode, I was saying ROS Fest or something, but yeah. that's good to know. Uh, Rosfest. Wait, wait, is- wait, but what if he means pronounce it RAHS Fest? <laughs> Yeah, I doubt it, but who knows. Uh, So he says, Rosfest is one of the longest-running prog rock festivals in the U.S. Was in Pennsylvania and moved to Florida a few years ago. This upcoming one will be the 17th consecutive, not including COVID cancellation in 2020 and recuperating in 2021. You can also find lots of info and videos of the bands on the Rosfest Facebook page and also get tickets at uh, rosfest.org. You guys should go. Yeah, um, we should. How, how do I not know about this? I mean, I know I'm busy and important. Well, busy anyway. But, <laughs> but, but I don't know how I don't know about this. I'm, 
I'm pretty tapped in. I'm the drum talk TV guy. I mean, I run the largest media company online covering the world of drumming. Prague is most of what I plan my series on that on that right. network or whatever. You know, I don't know how I don't know this, but I love finding out about stuff that I don't know about. I'm I'm not ashamed, but I'm like, how do I not know about this? It's just like discovering yeah. <laughs> the new bands that we we let off with uh, here. So that's great. So when is it? Is there a way we can uh, that's go? In, that's in April, if I remember uh, correctly. Around my birthday, we should go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I would love to go. Um, but it again, like we don't know for sure yet. But yeah, it sounds like a really cool thing. And I'm sure there will probably be like some videos that people post as well either way. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah, that would be, wow. Now, one more distraction for me to focus on. Wonderful. Sure. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Yeah. Uh, and so right off the top with the news, uh, we'll start with something that came out like toward the end of last month. So there is a Rolling Stone article that was all about Carl Palmer and his ELP legacy tour that was coming up and is now like in progress. So I was able to pull the quote from the article. And it said, Palmer's ELP legacy starts a month-long U.S. tour on November 3rd and a combined Yes, Asia, and Legacy trek next year to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Asia's debut, which included Palmer, is in discussion. Now, I find that very interesting. Yeah, so I've not seen this confirmed elsewhere. Um like, I don't know if they're still hashing out the details or if they've shot it down by now, because it's been a couple weeks since this. But I, what what do you think of that idea of those three bands touring together next year? Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts about that, and I will reach out to someone who would know. I'll talk to you about that off offline. Um, but I, I think it's great. Um, in one way... In one way, it's a reach for me to see two bands in one night. Like, I'd rather just see a band that I go to see play more music. I'd rather just see more Yes play Yes or more Asia played by Asia or more Carl Palmer's ELP. But I get this. It's They're all part of a, and they're, they're in the same solar system of each other. And it all works. And it, of course, makes me wonder, would Steve Howe step on stage with Asia? Would he play with Ron Thal if he's still with them? Like, what is the plan there? I'd, I'd like to know. If Jeff's going to do double duty, would Steve do double duty like we saw him do in whatever year that was? Yeah, like in 2009. And then in the Royal Affair tour itself, he was on the last few Asia songs um, yeah. from what I remember. So that, you know, that intrigues me. I would love to see it. I also read earlier in the year, and I, I don't remember who said it, if it was Carl himself, but he was talking about doing, I think it was Carl actually, saying he wanted to do a show where, the, where he had holograms of Greg Lake and oh, Keith wow. Emerson on stage with him. And I don't know if they've worked that out, if that would be included in this. Um, and I have mixed feelings about that, but none of them are negative. Um, so that's a whole separate thing that we'll address if we find out it's going to come to fruition. I do find it fascinating. And I know I don't look at it as, okay, so here's part of my concern, if I may, with that. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think some people might criticize it. Some people might look at it as cheesy. Some people might look at it as disrespectful. And I see it the absolute opposite. I see it as a reflection of the age we're living in where that could be a possibility technologically, so go ahead and do it. I see it as a way for Carl honoring these two guys that they they really all put each other on the map. I mean, granted, Keith Emerson was in the nice and everything, but and and Carl with Atomic Rooster. But when we really look at what made those three men giants in their space, is the three of them working together. And there's not, and hasn't been, isn't, and probably will never be a band that sounds anything like them yes john wetton and greg lake have similar voices but musically they'll never be another of each of them 
or collectively. So I, I think that's really neat. And I, I would love to see that. And would he be playing to would 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 his band still be playing? But you see Keith and Greg, you know, that's kind of like what I want to know. Does Francis Mugman make an appearance? <laughs> you know, like what's the deal? I know I'm probably overplaying that, but I find it right. fascinating. But to go back to your original question, Steve, and viewers. Listeners, please chime in. Answer the same questions that Steve and I ask each other. We don't rehearse this. We don't talk about it. I usually don't see the notes until he sends them to me the day before. I might peek, but I look at them when we're doing the show, basically. So it's all fresh. It's all authentic. And we'd love your input. What do you think of this, this tour possibility of the three together? Um, having said what I said about eh, not being excited about seeing three or four bands <laughs> you know, uh, I would go see this because of who it is and because there's probably going to be some overlap, which would be cool. And and they're all part of the soundtrack of my life, you know, all of them. Um, and it's all music I still play. We're going to do a big celebration of Asia's debut on Drum Talk TV when the time is right. We did a celebration of Fragile. Fragile's 50th anniversary. We're doing one of... Um, What's that other album that kind of had an impact? 90125, yeah. Um, so this is totally up my alley, and I'd love to go see it. I would. How about you? What, what do you think of it? Are they overplaying something? Is it too obvious, or is it like this is what they should be doing? Right. So before I answer that, I kind of want to address the hologram thing just real sure. quickly, and then we'll get back to this. I'm not as on board with the hologram idea. Like... You know, with movies, I've been on board with some of the, like, you know, the CGI de-aging thing, like Tarkin and Rogue One. And bringing others. Princess Leia back after she passed away and all that. Yeah, like, that stuff worked, but other stuff, not so much. Like, it can be hit and miss. And But, like, the idea of a hologram on stage rather than, like, on screen or whatever, it just feels weird to me still. Um, I, I haven't heard Carl Palmer mention this idea. I know that John Anderson has mentioned something similar a few years ago. Like he, he was like, oh yeah, they'll make holograms of us and they'll go out on tour or whatever. Um, and so it sounds like, you know, it's kind of weird hearing that these people might be all for it when someone like me is like, I don't know, like it maybe if it's just for a few seconds rather than the whole concert, like just a little tribute type of thing, but or maybe specific um um bent, uh landmark songs, iconic songs like right. Carnival Nine or something like that, Lucky Man or Maybe, yeah. Like it's I don't know, like something like that would take me some getting used to. I'm still so at that point where I'd much rather see physical people play the whole set. Uh, you know. Sure. So let me ask you this. And folks, what do you think of Steve's take? Let us know. And of course, give us yours. So your, your aversity to that possibility, how is that different than when a band like Rush or someone like that, when they're playing, you see video of them when they were younger or like showing because of the dimensions because it's obviously on a screen whereas if it's three-dimensional it might be a little bit unsettling uh, well i think i think the hologram the way it would the only way it might be able to work is if the hologram is actually appears to be three-dimensional but it's projected on a like a glass or plexiglass sort of screen mm -hmm. if you will um so in a way where no matter where you sit, it looks halfway decent rather than like, um, here's Engine's picture, rather than like from, from straight ahead, it looks great. But if you're sitting on the side, it looks all like, what the fuck? <laughs> like they're only an inch thick. What's going on? I know that Greg Lake was more than an inch thick. You know, so um, so is it more the presence of them or more that you don't think the technology will live up to the hype? I mean, I don't even know that the technology is really necessary. Um, like, I know okay. that technology will keep marching on, but it's like... 
So you don't think the you know, experience is really necessary, basically, is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, like, I mean, that's my take, at least okay. right now. Like, it's kind of hard for me to visualize how it could be done um, in the near future. But I mean, so here, you know, so here's a question, because I'm curious, and I'm sorry to belabor this, but I find this yeah, I was really not expecting to have this discussion. <laughs> I know me neither, but I find this intriguing because it's leading to other questions. And that's because we do this very organically. I'm wondering, first I thought, I wonder if this is a generational thing. And, and at first I thought in a shallow way, maybe it is, because those people are more the soundtrack of my life than yours. But that's not true when it comes to yes. So let me ask you this. Let's, let's change the venue of the idea for a moment. Right. What if yes went on tour and they did a thing where they played the fish and there was a hologram of Chris from one of the tours playing along with Alan and whether it's Billy playing it or it's from a recording and they remove the drums and Alan's playing it or with headphones on to the track or, you know, something like that. Because, because yes, is as much a soundtrack of your life than mine, even though my life has been longer so far. So right. it, like, what if, would that work for you? If they just did one song and brought Chris out on a hologram for that iconic especially for a 50th anniversary tour of Fragile. Would that work for you? Or is that still just kind of like eh, icky for you? It's hard to say. Like, maybe this is a thing where I wouldn't know for sure unless I was present while it's happening. It's like beer. You, you just don't know till you taste it. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Well, that's, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. But, I'm curious. Um, yeah. Tell us, viewers, listeners, what you think. It, it's a very intriguing topic. Yeah. But going back to the question of what yeah. I think of the idea of, of the tour a, of a tour with these three bands, um, I have mixed feelings about it. Like, obviously, next year is the 40th anniversary of Asia's debut album. And it's like, how can you not celebrate that milestone? It's their first album. It's it's your favorite album if i'm not mistaken by that it, it is um, and it's one of my top albums of all time i think and maybe top prog albums even though some mm -hmm. people would argue that some of it's not prog at all right and i would but yeah it's way up there for me it's way up there the production was way ahead of its time thank you mike stone right so i i understand like wanting to do it because like Given what we knew about what Yes are planning, you know, they're going to be in Europe in May and uh, they're talking about possibly being in the U.S. in March and April. They haven't confirmed it yet. And given like what the year is going to look like, you know, before this, I thought, you know, I feel like at the earliest Asia probably won't tour again until 2023 at the earliest. Um, but obviously Ooh. that wouldn't be the 40th anniversary of Asia. It'd have to be 2022. And so having these bands tour together is sort of a way to get the anniversary in. But I kind of worry that having these three bands together, and again, we don't know if this is for sure happening still. Right. It, it might shorten the yes set list. Like we know that they want to play Relayer, but like, with these three bands touring together, like how much of the quest could they play in, in the States? Uh, and, you know, that, you know, that's a great point. And there's a whole other thing. So my take before, where'd the hat go? Oh, well, my take before really came from a fan's perspective, but if I put the business hat on, it could totally be economics. Like as a fan, I'm, I'm with you. I don't want anyone else's time to water down someone else's time and we get less of that that's kind of what my point was before but for economic purposes and considering that a lot of people don't have the money that they might have had five years ago to go to a concert because a lot of people mm -hmm. went on furlough a lot of people lost their jobs a lot of people their businesses closed you know there, there's all of that economically i would respect that it makes sense put put all three bands on one ticket, tour them together, feed them together, house them, well, not house them together, but you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's it's a lot, the venue gets rented once and not three times, you know? So there is that, and I, I respect that, and I kind of feel bad that we, we live in those times when I, I've seen all those bands in big arenas, you know? So it's like, eh, you know, I remember 
the first time I saw Yes in a small venue was the Open Your Eyes tour and walking into the venue in San Diego. Um, I was like, this is weird. It just was weird to me. But the experience was great because it was certainly more intimate. Even though we sat close, you know, it was still. So things are different now. Things are different. And I would respect it if they just came out and said, you know what, this is why we're doing it. I'd say, okay, makes sense. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this does happen. Um, Yeah, I guess we could move on to the next item. Um, Okay. One last thing on that last topic. Hey, if that's the only reason, then then play from six to midnight and everyone gets two hours. <laughs> you know, just don't water anyone's time down. And there there you go. Everyone yeah, I mean, with... if it were a six hour concert altogether, then yeah, I'd be on board. Yeah, have two four, intermissions yeah. that are half hour long or 20 minutes. Long. You know, I'd be totally down for that because I'd rather have a longer night and 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 see more of, you know, where I'm, you know, <laughs> you all know what I mean. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> All right. Um, so kind of touching upon touring plans a little bit. Um, just yesterday, as we're recording this, uh, there was an interview posted that Billy Sherwood did with Radio Forest on 96.9, the Eagle KKGL. Um, so Billy says <laughs> that there's still talk of a March and April tour in the States uh with yes and he suggested that they will know for sure around the new year um so yeah i guess they're like still trying to confirm some things about that and when asked about how string sections on the quest songs would be handled on tour he joked that it'd be difficult dragging a 60 piece orchestra around <laughs> And he said that sampling could handle the string sections. You know, with all due respect, I need to interrupt. I know there's another okay. point in this. With all due respect, and I mean this with all due respect, I wrote that in an email to someone that I reviewed something for, and they wrote back and said, thanks for the all due respect. I, I know that that really means this part sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's not what I mean. But I, I don't think that's even a valid question because you can't even tell it's a real orchestra on the album. We talked about that in the review. Like I had no idea. I thought it was Jeff going, Bram. but I, so it's like, not even like, why would you bring that up? It's not some, it's not like it's. Um, I mean, uh, I think this is another it, thing where you and I differ where I knew there was an orchestra, but maybe, but that's it doesn't sound, it but it's not like magnification where you can tell that it's an orchestra doing all of that. It's just so blended in and unelaborate that I, I don't know, but, but Billy's right. It's, it's very expensive to do that. It's union. You're feed, you're paying <laughs> them even on lunch. I mean, it's just not realistic anymore or in this case for one song or whatever, but anyways, anyways, sorry. I just thought that question was sort of like, really, did you have to, how do you think it would be done? How do you think Rick yeah. Wake has done it all these years and Tony Banks and everybody else, you know, sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did. I also had the same reaction. Like that's kind of a funny question to ask when, I feel like it's kind of obvious, but sure. Like I felt like it was worth mentioning, like just anyway, but um, it, it was like an interesting interview, less than 10 minutes. Uh, he also talked about what it was like filling in for Chris Squire and John Wetton and like how emotional it was. Um, and sort of going along those lines um, on November 5th, the yes official Facebook page uh, shared a post about Alan Simon's new album Excalibur 5. And the post says, It is dedicated to our great friend John Wetton. We have a long history with Alan Simon as John Anderson appeared on Excalibur 2. Um, and I've actually heard the song that John was on um, on that 2007 album. It was called Circle of Life. Hmm. Um, yeah, it goes like, I'm the moon and the sky. Like, it sounds really good. And uh, so Wetton is featured on the final track of Excalibur 5 titled The Vision. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I'm um, playing bass and singing or just singing, do you know? Um, I believe he'd be doing both. Um, and so then when was that recorded? Do you know, Steve? 
Um, I'm not sure when this was recorded because, you know, Wetton passed away in early 2017. So, like, we'd have to be like, Alan Simon would have had to have been sitting on this for a while. Yeah. He, um, by the way, um, John Wetton's voice is one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. It, I just love his voice going all the way back to King Crimson. I love the stuff he did with Asia. I love his voice on both the UK albums and his voice always held up live very, very well, no matter who he was with. Just a solid, solid all around musician, a rock star, wore leather pants, awesome bass player, wrote great songs and lyrics, great singer, great player, just the whole package really yeah and i'm glad that we're still getting some <laughs> <One of> their <laughs> pants. <laughs> sorry <laughs> well like i'm glad we're still like i guess discovering these posthumous recordings that these great musicians no longer with us did like yeah. you like you know recently was the anniversary of keith emerson's passing and greg lake's birthday and I mean, just within the last couple of days, uh, Graham Edge from the Moody Blues passed away. And, you know, yeah. he's he's on the song um, Late Lament that's going to be on John Lodge's The Royal Affair and After, um, which, yeah, that comes out on December 3rd. So it's like, you know, we still get these posthumous recordings even after um, the- these people pass like Robbie Steinhardt as well. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh, you know, very interesting point and very interesting that John Lodge added and after. Yeah. Well, if you think, I mean, with Graham passing away and then there's the and after part, that's really interesting. Prophetic almost. Uh, I mean, yeah, I never looked at it that way. I mean, I know the title was because it includes stuff from the Royal Affair course, tour yeah. and the next tour that he did, like right after that. But yeah, I just yeah, find it interesting, curiously interesting. Um, yeah. And this is a handsome cover for. Excalibur oh yeah, Fox. if you're watching the video, the video version, there it is. And if you're only listening to audio, check out our show on our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash/yesshift. Um, it's gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. It's, it really is beautiful. I love the font. I love the artwork. Yeah. Like move, it's, cry, act, clash with an explanation point. And it's yeah. got like the monoliths and the lightning on the sword hill. And the, yeah. It's beautiful. The skyscape, the landscape, the fog around the ground. It's really neat. Very good work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'll have to give that one a listen. I want to listen to all five of these in full. From the sample I heard, it sounds like, you know, it's it's a rock opera, so it does get heavy, sounds almost metal, at least from the sample that I heard. Um, are they linked, one through five? Or are they a related story? And I'm sorry, um, folks, I don't know as much of this. As yeah, I mean, this I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. But. Okay. But like from what little I've heard, like it sounds like it'd be up my alley, like musically. Yeah, me too. I'd love to check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Going back, you mentioned, sorry, that Billy Sherwood talked about a possible March, April tour in the works. Is that festival something they would play at? Do you know? Um, I mean, if if it is like they haven't been confirmed yet like last i checked they weren't listed on the website um because yeah like they have like the list of performers on the schedule and i don't think yes is on there at the moment so crazy question but anybody you know uh well well, we've talked about this but john anderson and the paul green rock academy will be there and uh, you know, Lobate Scarp. Um, of course, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, a bunch of these are new to me. Okay. Um, Robert Berry, that's a familiar one. So, yeah, I- I'm curious about whether they have all the performers sorted out or whether, like, they're, they're still waiting to get confirmation from people. They probably are. They probably still are waiting. But Okay, great. Thanks for backtracking with me a little bit on that. Um, yeah, for sure. Next, we have um, an Alan White 
Atwood Magazine interview. This was released on November 2nd. Uh, we've got the link in the post to the full interview, but we're going to yeah. give you uh, some fun little snippets from it. And Steve will read the question and I'll read Alan White's answers. This is just kind of a fun little teaser. We do encourage you to go and read the whole article by Mr. Atwood. It's it's actually really good. Oh, go ahead. Ben, ben Neeson. Uh, oh, that's right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the article's titled Music to My Ears, A Conversation with Yeses, Alan White. And it's a real good interview, uh, like we said. But uh, here's like a few tastes of it. So one of the questions that he asked was, Considering that Jeff and John are writing music, do you foresee Yes albums still being made when you and Steve are gone? And Alan says, don't put it like that, referring to the word gone. Uh, <laughs> eventually, when we retire, but we have no intention of doing that right now. Who knows? There's a possibility that will happen, but we just got to carry on the banner as long as we can. Yeah. And then uh, Neeson says, Bob Weir, or or wire I'm it's sure weird to, it's bob weird. Weird. Oh, okay i was right the first time uh bob weir describes this dream where he's watching the grateful dead's music being played and then slowly realizing that none of the members there are actually the original grateful dead members they're all you right, sorry uh let me just repeat that that none of the members there are actually the original grateful dead members they're all you know people that have been introduced so Alan says uh, that's possible. That is a possible foreseeable future, but not in the way that I'm looking at things right now. You always get tribute bands anyway. We shall have to see about that. Yeah. And then uh, Neeson says we are in an era of offshoot bands splintering off from like original lineups and semi-original lineups. Do you feel this creates a competition to have a creative edge to your live show? And Alan says, no, not really. Yes is an operating band right now. I feel very confident that everyone on stage is really professional mu musician in their own right. And this band on stage is a great incarnation of what we were and still are. That's a great answer. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit more, but I was wondering if you wanted to like sort of talk about like how he's seeing like the future near future of yes i kind of have a couple of thoughts on that uh i'm happy and honestly kind of surprised that he's alluding to the fact that he doesn't have plans to retire anytime soon given his current physical condition and the way they're folding in jay shellen so right it, I don't know if he's playing it off or just like you don't release that until it's official. You know, it's like in sports. No, we're not trading him. We're not trading him. We're not trading him. Two days later, they trade him. You know, <laughs> so I don't I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a bit odd because it does very much feel like Jay Shellen is being primed to be the eventual successor in the drummer seat. Yeah, I don't think uh, they would do what they're doing and, and call me or Mike Portnoy or somebody if they're doing this with Jay. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's going to fill the role. Yeah, and another part of this is I think maybe, you know, maybe Alan knows that there will be a time to retire, but for now, like for the immediate and near future, you know, yes, our touring, they're looking at what they're doing now and the near future because, you know, with a band like Yes, it's very difficult to predict like all the changes that uh, they go through so, <laughs> yeah like, they couldn't do it so how could we so or so maybe like, we can in history so like to look at what's going on over the next year and maybe no further than that makes sense to me because like they don't really know what's gonna yeah, happen again it's like in sports you concentrate on tomorrow's game not the one three down the line it's it's concentrating and focusing on the now here's a question if and when if Alan, let's say Alan and Steve retire at the same time, A, do you think they'll fill those roles if they both leave together? B, who would fill, who's a candidate for Steve's role? And so, C, C, will they dissolve the whole thing 
or four, will they carry on? And if so, will anyone care? And I don't mean that question in a disrespectful manner at all. It's a legitimate question. Right. You mean like how much of the fan base will still yeah. like, yeah. It's yeah I don't mean question. like Jeff Downs. I mean like the fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts on all those? So for a really, like for years, I've thought that the most obvious choice, at least from my point of view, for who to replace Steve Howe would be Jimmy Hahn. Y you know, I know that Howe, you know, in the past, he's been very critical of the guitar stuff that was done on Union, but like that was a long time ago. And Jimmy has a really good rapport with, you know, Billy, like he's known him for like ever, like him and his brother. And Jay. Um, yeah, like he's known Jay for a really long time, and he has a good rapport with John Davison as well. You know, the if right. all, all all those members I mentioned are in Arc of Life, um, and right. so like it, it makes sense to me that you know to have someone like Jimmy Hahn fill the role if they ever do decide to do that. I could also see. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I gotta ask, but but then is it yes or arc of life with Jeff Downs? Uh, I was just gonna like go go into that. Okay. So <laughs> sorry, but like if if they still have Jeff Downs, I think it could still be yes. But if Jeff, like you know, Jeff um, would have to retire eventually as well. Like if, from yes, not right, right from yeah. from yes, and so it's a question of. Who would they get? Would they try to get back Oliver Wakeman, or would they even try to get Tom Brislin in? Or, like, I think if they do get Dave Kersner from Arc of Life in there, then they might as well just be Arc of Life uh, playing their own music as well as the music of Yes. Yeah, and I think Dave Kersner, I think, might also still be playing with Simon Collins, Phil Collins' son, in mm -hmm. um, Sound of Contact. I think. Um, but but those questions are very valid. Which band is it? Or right, it's it's valid. So yeah, so, it, it might it might depend on what they play live. Like I'm trying to think of like if there's ever been a really big band like off the top of my head that has formed another band with the exact same lineup but played like different type of music like. There are probably examples out there. I just can't think. I of think that yes kind of. has done that, <laughs> <laughs> and Genesis as well. <laughs> um, or they changed the name of the band to Arc of Yes and play both. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Well, yeah. Like that's still like we're not there yet, so it's hard right. to like really gauge like how but I, we I feel. Think, I think I think it's reasonable to ask that question. Yeah. Being that it could be in the foreseeable near future and near to me is I think in the next two years, there could be some really big changes, especially given mm -hmm. Stephen Allen's age and Allen's physical condition. It, I think it'll happen by the end of 2022. Hmm. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I would say maybe. I mean, you're probably not far off, but I was thinking maybe like end of 2023, possibly, or I don't know, maybe the beginning of that. Maybe Alan wants to like get the full 50 years and yes before retiring. Yeah. That'll be next. So who knows? And I'm totally on board with that. I mean, not many people can hold a job for 50 years. <laughs> right. Or five. <laughs> I'm lucky to have nine with Trump Talk TV and it's my company. <laughs> I haven't fired me yet. I came close. I came close. <laughs> <laughs> right i've actually come um, close a few times but go on <laughs> right but yeah like yes is difficult to predict and we can make all these guesses but at the end of the day it's like we'll have to see um yeah uh, getting back into the oh sorry I, i'm sorry i was going to mention something if i could from that interview that yeah. we didn't put in the notes here to read off just that's an interesting fact i was shocked i either never knew or I completely forgot, which is, as you know, is very possible. And that was when, uh, I'm sorry, the interviewer, Ben, right? Yeah. When Ben mentioned Alan to set up a question, you were invited uh, to join uh, America and Jethro Tull, but joined Yes instead. I don't remember that fact. Oh, yeah. So thinking back to that, that must have been, uh, when Barrymore Barlow joined, 
And, and I can't imagine Alan playing those songs that Barrymore did all those years. Not right. that Alan doesn't have the ability or anything, but they are Barry's style. And to, I, I just, I don't know. It's, yeah, it, it's, I was it's like, what? Road, yeah, it's that road to not taken that you're not used to seeing. Yeah, um, and I'd love to know what that would have been. Would they still have done a passion play, Minstrel in the Gallery, uh, Songs from the Woods? Would, would all of that still have come out and how different would it have been with Alan's drumming? So that was like, what? I had to read yeah, that like three times. Yeah, I think that, I think that was news to me as well. And it, it's funny because we've also heard that at one point, Steve Howe was asked to join Jethro Tull like a couple years earlier. And he yeah, joined and Tony Iommi. Yeah, and so it's really fun to think about these what-ifs, like the things that almost happened and sort of wonder like how different would things have been, you know? Yeah. Okay, sorry to interrupt the flow there. Go on. Right. Uh, so getting back to highlights from that interview, um, Ben asked or he says that makes me wonder if you've ever heard of this band called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard or Theoses. Um, I've never <laughs> heard of those, but yeah, <laughs> I have not either. And Alan says, I've heard of them. I don't know the music very well, but I've heard of them. Yeah. And then Ben polite says, answer. Yeah. And then Ben says, yeah, they're definitely in that new vein of carrying the progressive rock torch with a lot of garage rock influences and crowd to rock influences as well. Alan says you get a lot of people in these bands that rip off our ideas often than make their own version, you know, but that's to be expected. So yeah, I'm glad that they picked some good music to rip off and then laughs. <laughs> so that's fair. I mean, everything yeah, was a very funny comment. <laughs> yeah. Everything came from something else somehow. Maybe yeah. not to the Francis Monkman degree, <laughs> but everything came from some other influence somewhere somehow right so yeah it's a real good interview and like we said we'll link it but getting onto this vein of tribute bands um on november 5th one of the or at least what i think is one of the more well-known yes tribute bands like i hear about them a lot and have heard a bit of them uh total mass retain announced a lineup change oh uh, yeah so uh, they also mentioned they're having a show at the Kenneth Flash and two shows at the Iridium in January. Um, and in their post about the lineup change, they say, Mark Gonzalez has left Total Mass Retain. Mark, we wish you the absolute best in your next adventure. Thank you for an amazing run together. We are very excited to introduce Johnny Bruins, who has played in Circa, Yoso, and roundabout the American Yes tribute as the guitarist extraordinaire for these shows. And we'll see what the future holds. Hold John. Go ahead. So could he possibly be a candidate instead of Jimmy Hahn to mm. keep some distance between those two bands? He yeah, also that's... apparently has a relationship with Billy, being that he played in Circa right. and Yoso. So could they possibly do that just to keep that line in the sand to delineate arc of life versus yes yeah that's <laughs> i'm surprised i didn't think of this earlier and i like put this down in the notes. i know i'm surprised like, too yeah like i mean that's a fair point like he could also be a potential candidate um and i mean he also has um well i'll read the rest of this he may of, have played more yes music than jimmy Hahn when it comes down to it if you look at it that way yeah i guess i'd have to like do some digging and see yeah. but um I'll read the rest of this post and then finish that thought. So okay. uh, it continues, Johnny and drummer Joey Cass forged a great bond going back to the days of Yoso, where Johnny toured with the legendary Tony Kay and Billy Sherwood of Yes and Bobby Kimball of Toto. Of course, Johnny also helmed the Yes tribute band Roundabout in LA, which featured current Yes singer John Davison on vocals. So... I mean, he also has a rapport with John Davison, apparently. So, yeah, that that is another possibility. Yeah, I think you're on to something. Yeah, let us know, folks, what you think. And I I know that some yahoos, bless their heart, are all getting loose right now <laughs> saying, yes, this is a tribute band right now. 
save it. I mean, if that's your opinion, that's okay. Just don't be a prick about it. <laughs> because we, you know, that fine, express it, but you know, don't, don't be too jerky about it. But um, weigh in and let us know what you think of that possibility. I, I think that's a fit. Yeah, I mean, if Yes are a tribute band, they're a pretty damn good tribute band, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, interesting, interesting stuff. And then, um, do you have anything else to say on that, or should I start off the next? Uh, we, we could start off the next one. Okay, so John Davidson was interviewed by Martin Popoff. This was released November 3rd of this year, 2021. And uh, this is uh, from bravewords.com. And uh, yeah, and Martin is the author of that recent book, Yes, a Visual Biography. So, like, he knows his stuff. Yeah, he said uh, that the quest title was Steve's idea and that there were no working titles as everyone was really into the title. Uh, He talked a bit about the songwriting process and the songs on the quest. And when asked his opinion of why 90125 was so successful, Davison responded, well, I suppose they had successfully managed to tap into the current sound at the time. I totally agree. And while still preserving just enough of the familiar yes trademarks that endeared the 70s fan base, having a hit single like Owner of a Lonely Heart certainly solidified their validity to a more immediate and pop-oriented music culture too, Right. And I want to comment on his response because I I think it's spot on. And I also think that that's why bands like Genesis and Rush had endured the way they did because they became adaptable with the times. And while some old farts like me and older might have hung in there with them if they stayed with their mid-70s sounds, they never would have opened the doors to all this new generations of listeners and of listeners that prefer different genres as they got a bit more commercial, more accessible, whatever we want to call it. And so I think John's spot on and yes, really did tap into what the sound at the time was. And we've talked about this before, Steve, that the album cover did as well. Yeah. I remember seeing that holding in my hands and saying, the future is here. It just was so (laughs) damn modern. And then to see them on that tour and that weird stage and, and John's mic that was cordless, but had a cord going to the thing on his belt. Just the whole thing was so futuristic and it was the eighties after all. So I think that's a great take. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think he's spot on as well. And I thought this uh, comment was worth mentioning because, you know, November 7th was the 38th anniversary of uh, that album, uh, 90,125. Um, yeah, I know that's not what it's actually called, but uh, 90125. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more on the Fragile episode because there are like a couple parallels I noticed. Um but yeah. And I, by I, the way, folks, that'll be out this week. If you're listening to this on like the anytime from November yeah, well, 14th. Well, it'll be out on the 26th, which is uh, the actual anniversary. anniversary. Yeah. yeah. That's um, right. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. Um, but 90125 really did adapt to, you know, the the era, like, you know, Trevor Rapin brought in some demos and the, the demos sound more rocking. And then, um, you know, the other band members did their thing and Trevor Horn, you know, of the producer that he is, he has such an ear for like, what's, what's going to be like poppy. Like he, it was his suggestion that they put Owner of a Lonely Heart on the record when Rapin wasn't so sure. And Lo and behold, that was a hit song, and you just can't get away from it. It literally put them back on the map as big as Roundabout did when it came out in that era. And we'll get to that when we do the episode. So watch for that, folks. November 26th. Yeah. All right. So that's a good tease. Um, So also on November 5th came an announcement from Rick. But Wick Rakeman, what? <laughs> Rick Wakeman. Uh, Rick Wakeman. <laughs> yeah, so Rick Wakeman and the English Rock Ensemble are having a UK tour uh, this coming year. So it, it reads, almost 20 years since they last toured the UK with a diverse set, 
Keyboard wizard Rick Wakeman, CBE, is delighted to announce that he is reforming the English rock ensemble for British shows in March and April 2022. The group will be performing at London's O2 Shepherd's Bush Empire, March 30th, or 30th March, I guess, O2 Academy Birmingham, uh, the 31st, O2 Academy Glasgow, April 1st, and O2 City Hall, Newcastle, April 3rd, as well as headlining HRH Prague 12 at O2 Academy Sheffield. The English Rock Ensemble was originally founded in 1975 as a solo project by Rick after leaving Yes and has continued to play together intermittently over the years with a fluid lineup. Rick explains, On the rare occasions I'm able to get the English Rock Ensemble together, it's always very exciting to me, as the setlist determines the lineup. This particular show will include some songs that various female singers have sung with me over the years, and because we will be playing some tracks from The Red Planet, there will also be, excuse me, additional musicians in order to do the music justice. Um, and then it says, consequently, in addition to Rick, of course, on keyboards, the lineup will consist of Dave Calcahone on guitar and backing vocals, Tony Fernandez on drums and percussion. His longtime drummer from when he yeah. first started this, Tony Fernandez, a uh, left-handed drummer who's awesome, and he's played on just about, if not everything, Rick's done. Really yeah. great drummer. And Lee Pomeroy on bass. Really good bass player. Vocals. Yeah, really good bass. I think, it, yeah, Lee is in uh, my favorite thing that Rick has done, and that is Six Wives at uh, Hampton Court. So is, of mm -hmm. course, Tony. Uh, sorry, I just, I love seeing this lineup. This is really exciting yeah. to me. And Haley Sanderson on vocals. Um, Adam Wakeman on keyboard. Guitar, his son. I don't know if you know that. That's his son. <laughs> yeah, I was about to joke. I wonder if they're related. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and he played in Hampton Court. That thing, folks. If you haven't yeah. seen that, you got to get it. It's amazing. Yeah, and it says while the set list is still under discussion, it will. Um, I, I guess if you want to be surprised, you can skip ahead a minute. Uh, it says it will contain music from 1984. The Six Wives of Henry VIII, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and Return to the Center of the yes. Earth. Yes! The Time Machine, and King Arthur. Yes! Yeah, oh. Soft Sword, and at least one Yes song will get an airing. Rick Owner of a Lonely Heart. <laughs> well, it it's be, gotta be Roundabout, right? May, well, I'll get to that. Um, okay. uh, finishing the quote, he says, it will Sorry. be solid prog from start to finish. Um... So yeah, you you kind of like got into it. I was gonna ask, um, what yes song do you think he'll end up playing? Um, so do you think it's for sure Roundabout, or might it be something else? So if it's, I think it's Roundabout is the obvious one. It's from the first album that he joined the band. It's a landmark album. It's the most popular song of Yes up to that point, and it's endured ever since. So that that it's got that legendary organ solo. Other than that, I would think I I don't think it's anything from close to the edge. So could it be awaken? Could it be going for the one? Could it be? I don't know. Like those are my what comes to mind in, in that order. You know, it's got to be something that features him. So right. going for the one doesn't have a keyboard solo. Parallels does, but I don't think it'll be Parallels. Could it be in You and I? Maybe I'm wrong. Could it be that? That's pretty grandiose, And but it's a long song. I don't I don't know. What do you, what, if it's all of Close to the Edge, that would be cool. <laughs> I would be very impressed. But what do you think? It does have a female vocalist in the lineup. So potentially right. vocal-wise, we could say maybe she could pull anything off. What do you think? I, I don't think it's soon. Right. Yeah, because guessing about this, I, I guess I was kind of taking a minimalist approach, like thinking, oh, it'll probably be a short song. So it'll probably be Wondrous Stories. Like I've seen him play oh. that in concert before, and it's like really good. But um, only by himself. 
Right, yeah, I've right? seen him play it by himself, but thinking about this whole ensemble thing, it's like I would take yeah, advantage of that. Yeah, I guess it could like do something longer, like an epic, like Awaken or like something like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he'd carve out that much time in the set for or, it. Or maybe South Side of the Sky. Oh, that would be great. Like that's with, a good with the keyboard ground, guitar right? duo, duo at the end. Yeah. Like it did with Steve. That's fair. Yeah, like and it's folks, not as long, but it's still a decent length. Yeah. Yeah, folks, what do you think? And what do you think, like, not what you want to hear. I mean, I'd love to hear Close to the Edge Awakens, Siberian Katruin, and you and I, but that's not going to happen. What do you think <laughs> he'll do? What do you think is a reasonable prognostication of what he'll do? And, and let's tally that and mention that on another episode. And then in a few months, see what it actually ends up being. And save that data and see who gets it right. And they win something. Yeah, bragging rights. Um, Your yes shirt. Or yeah, something. I don't know. You'll sign <laughs> it with a silver. I, I'm project. not giving away this shirt. <laughs> right. So that's an interesting topic, right there. I wonder what the fuck it is. <laughs> right. So, do you have any other thoughts on that tour before uh, we move on? I, I just like that he's busy. That he has all. These I do plans. too, and and playing such adventurous stuff with a band and not by himself. I would love to see that come to the u.s and it's mm -hmm. tempting to say you know what well you've been to the uk i haven't i'm finally going to the uk i want to see this what an awesome trip that would be um he would have played out here i live 100 miles from phoenix folks in the mountains and he was going to be here it would have been november 9th but things got pushed so it's right. like ah. um so i think it's awesome and i love the lineup is great it's exciting this is really cool stuff and prog music is so alive and it's still alive with some of the living legends which i really really dig i really do yeah so like with his current tour and the christmas shows and supposedly working on a musical early next year and then this like it sounds like he's pretty busy for the next several months which is great like yeah. i know he said that he missed touring so like i'm glad he's like really like you know it is still being safe and like doing all this within I reason just, yeah yeah i just hope he's taking care of himself right. i mean even forgetting the age thing you know he he suffered from alcoholism in his 20s he had his first heart attack at 26 or 27 from the pressure of going solo. Um, he's had pleurisy. He's diabetic like I am. I know the pain that comes with that, literally, and other things. I really just hope he takes care of himself and this happens. Right. Yeah. And, and that he just takes care of himself. That's the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. Like, all, all musicians, like, ju just like all people um should take really good care of themselves because yeah it's it's yeah. so easy to you know in this crazy world to slip into excess of anything whether it's just overeating or not eating or eating the wrong thing drinking the wrong thing folks i have diabetes because i became a fruitaholic and a juiceaholic for like the last 10 years i didn't grow up eating candy drinking punch having a lot of desserts eating sweet cereal I, I got it because of what I thought was healthy and it just wasn't right for my body's changes at the time as I became a senior citizen. So you never know. So like Steve says, take care of yourself and watch out for the excess behavior. Right. So public service announcement from yes. Shift. <laughs> yeah. So best wishes to Rick Wakeman on those plans. And let's move on to yet another Wakeman. Um, so uh, this is our last news item here. So Oliver Wakeman was recently interviewed by the Yes Music podcast. Uh, the episode came out yesterday as of when we're recording. And he talked about that album he did with Clive Nolan that we talked about, uh, Dark Fables. Yeah. As well as the process of making the soundtrack for the Rodney Matthews book, Yendor. Um and and so I listened to this episode. Like he's really, he's really gentlemanly and goes through like the process. And it's like really interesting, like how like all this stuff gets put together. And I actually listened to Dark Fables. It's really good. He sounds a lot like his dad. Um, I I don't want to make it seem like he's like a carbon copy of his dad, but it's like it's hard not to make. And we don't want that. So that's right. good. Yeah, like it's hard not to make those comparisons, but yeah, I mean, 
all that is to say that talent runs in the family and you know, Dark Fables has a really great feel to it. It makes me want to listen to those other albums that he did. That's part of that Tales from Gaslight box set. Um, and he also talked about his process with learning music for Yes concerts when back when he joined the band. Oh, I would love to hear this. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link uh, later. I mean, I'm going to ask you s s something uh, slightly personal, but not personal, personal, just because I know I'll forget to ask you this. Do you have the Dark Fable CD? No, but I listened to it on like the Oliver Wakeman YouTube channel. Okay, because I want to take it on our trip. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that would be really good driving music, yeah. Yeah, that and also Lobate Scarp. I want to get some of this stuff and take it on the trip. So send me a list and I'll order it. We'll support them because I believe in buying music. You know, I'm so old right. school. I, I want this. I want. Yeah, because Lobate Scarp's first album is out and the second one comes out February 2nd. Yeah, I want the physical thing. I want to look at the booklet and get and get this out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can send me a list. I'll get that for the trip. Yeah. So it's a really good episode. Like I encourage all Yes fans to give it a listen. Um, and he also Thanks. mentioned a bit of news about a box set coming out early next year. So it would include his collaborations with Steve Howe and his collaborations with Gordon Giltrap. And um, so the Giltrap stuff would have bonus tracks. The Steve Howe stuff would be remastered. And it would even include a live album with Wakeman and Giltrap that never got wow. put out. You know, so, when, we, when we make notes of things like that, when we make note of things like that and talk about them, uh, the other stuff that he put out that was uncovered, you know, Led Zeppelin's done it, Jimmy Page re-releasing stuff. I wonder if there's any stuff with John Wetton that hasn't been released. N music, not different versions or mixes or remasters, but for, and for ELP as well, if there's music that we've never heard that didn't get released by ELP or by Asia or by King Crimson with John Wetton or UK, I would love to hear that yeah like some of this stuff had come out but they're adding a bit more to it that hadn't been released before and like he touched upon this a bit that like it's good to put out some of this stuff because some of it was done before he was in yes and so like you know the yes fans who got introduced him through yes might not have known about it and now they they will so um, yeah, I, I always love hearing more stuff from all these musicians, regardless of like what era it's from. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and just today, as we're recording this, the 13th of November, um, Oliver shared a picture of a tapestry John Anderson gave uh, to his dad during the going for the one sessions. I'd love to see that. Do you, so if you have that, you're seeing it now, folks. If Steve has that, if it's out there, we've got it. You're seeing it on screen yeah. now. If not, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's on the Oliver Wakeman Facebook page. Oh, okay, great. Uh, great. Yeah. Yeah, it looks very really nice. Um, you know, it's like a little bit of history, you know, the going for the one sessions. Are oh, just, wow. I wish I saw it ahead of time so that I could be commenting on it. Well, you know what? Hold on. I'll, I'll do that. You you vamp while I... Uh, it's on Oliver Wakeman's Facebook page, you say? Yeah. How do you spell Wakeman? <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull it up, but um, uh, awake you, men gentle must touch. <laughs> you could describe it while I'm pulling it up because I want to see it and give my thoughts. I think that's really neat. Yeah, it's got greenish, bluish edges, and toward the center, it has like some red on there, like on the yellow. Um, it's it's rectangular. Um, and that might be obvious. I don't but, know. But when you say tapestry, like what's the, the, there it is. Oh, wow. It's, it's, oh, Enja would love this. It almost looks like a macrame type of tapestry. And the, the lines and curvatures are very much representative of uh, the ribbons that they had on the 77 going for the one tour, which represented the ribbon sort of graphic that went across the album cover. You got the buildings in Century City, 
mm-hmm. the guy with the butt showing from the Hemispheres album by Rush, which he did going for the one first. I think it's the same guy. <laughs> or or also he was on the 2112, so maybe he was there for But anyways, it totally looks like from that era. That's really neat. And now he's got it, huh? Yeah, he says that uh, John gave it to Rick, and then recently uh, Oliver's mom found it and passed it on to him. Huh? So, yeah, it's interesting. Really cool. Very neat. Take a peek at that, folks. Yeah. Great. So that is the news desk report for November here on Yes Shift, unless some breaking news comes out uh, in the meantime before we do one in December. November 26 is the big anniversary of Fragile. Watch for that. And we will also give some interesting comparison thoughts on 90125's place in history, which also had an anniversary this month. And there are some interesting little factoids that tie those together. But that's going to be a fun one. Uh, We're actually recording that tomorrow night uh, or tonight as you hear this or whenever you hear it. It's being recorded on November 14th. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm rambling. I haven't slept much. (laughs) Right. But but yeah, that's I think that was a really good news episode. And of course, still some stuff coming up like animals reimagined on the 19th. I'm very excited to listen. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh, like other prod uh, always, universe info. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love listening to the new releases and gathering my thoughts about them. Absolutely. There's still a lot of great music coming out and a lot of it is tied to legendary prog music here in the 2020s. Who would have ever, who would have ever thought, you know, that's just amazing. Yeah. Prog is still it. alive and well. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. And you can follow us and see the visual versions of these episodes if you care to see us. But we often will cut in graphics. There weren't a lot in this one. Uh, but uh, that's facebook.com slash, slash yes shift. And you can listen to us on various podcast channels distributed by Anchor. We're at anchor.fm slash slash yes shift. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Um, <laughs> And yeah, um, yeah and we'd you- love to hear from you. Tell them how they can get a hold of us and give us comments, suggestions, hate mail, love mail, whatever you got. <laughs> We're big boys. We could take it. Yeah, you can email us at yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. Comment on any of the stuff we talked about, and we might read your thoughts on the show. Because, you know, it's not just us. We love to hear what other people think as well and just... You know, it's more fun that way, getting to talk to the Yes fandom in general um, whenever there aren't, like, any problems, obviously. But yeah, that goes without th- saying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think from time to time, we haven't discussed this. I'm just throwing it out there. We'll start doing some Facebook Live episodes as well where you could chat with us in the comments in real time, um, like I do on Drum Talk TV. So, Steve, we'll talk about that. Let's start planning okay. that. And lastly, folks, just stay proggy not foggy (laughs) nice close this thing on i'll be here (laughs) all night (laughs) try the roast beef it's great all right all right thanks everyone (laughs) bye